Hello everyone and welcome to Langstaff Online. My name is Yanaili Joyce and I'm your host for episode 74. In this episode, we are going to be listening to Mike De Silva Sr., who has served the Lord with his family at Langstaff for many years. His message is entitled, Called for Good Works, and is reflective on the new year that is ahead of us. So, um, I count it a great honor and privilege to be the first one to speak in 2021. It's... uh, been quite the eventful 2020 that we're glad to see behind us. But my message obviously is on good works. I've enjoyed this because when I was asked to speak, I wanted to speak on something that maybe, something maybe we need to remind ourselves of, something in scripture. And so I was just enjoying this verse. And of course, we'll we'll read more, but it's found in uh, Ephesians 2 and 10. Let's read it together. This is the ESV uh, ver- version. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God re- prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So I, I really enjoyed uh, reading this because of what we learned throughout the year in our Bible studies. In the beginning of our Bible studies, I thought, boy, we're going through this really, really fast. But there were, some, there were some points that were brought up, and they're very important. I think we should carry them on to 2021. And that is, number one, we have to understand the scriptures were not written to us. They were written for us. And uh, at first, that puzzled me. You know, no, no, it's written to us. No, no, you have to understand first the writing, what you're reading, who wrote it, who, did, who was it written to. Of course, all of scripture All of it is edifying. All of it is good for correction. All of it is inspired by God. But we need to understand, if you want to really study your scriptures and understand, you know, I've learned this and I've really enjoyed it. So, number one, just two thoughts. For every text, you have to consider the context. And we were taught that, you know, if you you read a text, uh, like we just did today, uh, you should read the preceding, maybe nine or ten verses, so you get the context. And the second thought is we had a brother uh, from uh, Wheaton College, uh, Dr. Douglas Wu, and he spoke to us on Job uh, for those who, who joined. He spoke about a man, uh, a Lutheran minister, his name was Johann Abrick Bengel, and like he's from the 16th century. Just to give you an idea, I mean, the Brethren movement, movement started in 1800s. This man in the 1600s, he wrote this, a saved man. He said, apply yourself wholly to text. And then apply the text wholly to yourself. I love that. So with all of that for Bible study and all, it's just, it's great. It's wonderful to keep in mind. So let's go to what the context is of what I just read in 2 Corinthians 2 and 10. Here's the context. Let's read it together. It's ESV. And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of our body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, he made us alive together with Christ, By grace, ye have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us 
with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. So, and of course, then that'll bring us to uh, verse 10, which is my text. So what is the context here, brothers and sisters? Pretty obvious, right? Not saved by works. Look at verse 1. We're dead in trespasses and sin. Uh, we come down uh, to verse uh, 2, and it says that we were following, we were, we were just following the course of the world. Uh, verse 3, uh, we're like the rest of mankind, doomed. All of sin come short of the glory of God. But then, of course, then because of his great love and his mercy, verse 4, he reached and saved us. And even when we were dead in our trespasses, we were hopeless, helpless. He saved us through Christ. By grace, you've been saved through faith. So here's the context that we have enjoyed. So back to our verse. This verse was written to Christians. Okay. And these are people who, of course, with the context, they could understand everything that was written to them. Because that's what we were. Now, of course, this is to us, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for the good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. I had a signal said that my, my internet was weak. Am I okay? Okay, great. All right, so there's four beautiful thoughts here I want to enjoy, and I'm only, I'm only scratching the surface. Thought number one, for we are his workmanship. Wow, you know, this, this really blew me away. You know, workmanship, that word in Greek actually means handiwork. And of course, think of it. Whose handiwork are we? Who, whose is? God's. We are God's handiwork. You know, many times, and, and rightfully so, we look at what God created in nature, his handiwork. Remember, David came out one night and, uh, and looked up in the stars, and he said he considered the stars, the moon, and he says, wow, the handiwork of God. Even he belittled himself. What is man that we should be mindful, that he should be mindful of him or visit him? Well, let me tell you, I, I've learned that what we are, we're God's masterpiece, just like the universe. God made that clear. If you go back to Genesis and you read the creation story, on the sixth day, you will see that God looked at all that he created, his masterpiece, and God saw that it was very good. So, you know, anybody who ever puts you down and thinks you're not you know, you're not very important or anything. Listen to me, especially you young ones. You are God's masterpiece. Just like the snowflakes, every one of them is individual. God created us all individually. We all have different things that others don't have, whether it's talents or creativity or, or whatever that may be, anything. But God has given all of us different things. And so we are his masterpiece. And I could keep going on. Second thought uh, on this verse created in Christ Jesus for good works. So, I mean, think about that, created. We're created by the creator. And of course we were created, as I told you in the beginning, we are so created, we needed the new creation. We needed the new birth. And so of course, uh, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17 reminds us, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, they're a new creature. So we're saved. What are we saved from? Well, we're saved from eternal perdition. We're saved from hell. We're saved from punishment. We're saved from wrath. We're saved from the world. We're saved to one day be with Christ forever. But is that it? No, it's not it. We are saved to do good works. You see, it says created in Christ Jesus for good works. You know, talk about having a purpose in life. Well, there it is. We're created for good works. You know, I was just thinking, you know, the Lord Jesus himself, 
uh, it's recorded in Acts 10 and 38. It says that he went about doing good. Now, men go about doing all the time, but they do good and bad and everything else. But he went about doing good. You recall once they wanted to stone him and the Lord Jesus looked at them, those religious leaders and all that says, for what work do you stone me for? And they had to admit not for any work at all. Of course, they were really upset because he claimed to be the son of God. <laughs> little did he know or little did they know that is exactly who he was and is and God. Anyway, of course, we see in Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler, you know the story. The young ruler comes running. He falls before the Lord and he says, Lord, the good master, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? The Lord looks at him and he loves him. And we'll stop there for one second. It's amazing that God loved us. But here's the truth. He loves every soul in this world. Every soul. Wow. He looked at a young man. He loved him. And he said, why are you calling me good? There's none good except God. God is good. Of course, he was readjusting the young man's uh, way of thinking. He was God. And so anyway, I just thought I really enjoyed created in Christ. We are in Christ Jesus. You know, the, the preceding, the context, you know, it says that uh, we're raised up with him and seated. Uh, he, God has seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You think of this world and positions and authorities and all these people. Really, who are any of them? We're already seated with Christ. We're a masterpiece. Amazing. This should really stir you up and encourage you. The, uh, the, uh, the third thought in the verse is which God prepared beforehand. Of course, we enjoyed this morning just right from the get-go of uh, understanding what God prepared. What did he prepare? He prepared a lamb before he even created this world. That, that's mind-blowing, really. Before the world was framed, God had prepared the lamb, and that was the Lord Jesus Christ. But, you know, nothing takes God by surprise. 2020 didn't, and years to come, it won't. And, and next year and next month and next week and within the next hour, God has prepared beforehand. This, this, this little this thought here reminds me he's in full control. God is preparing. The Lord Jesus in, in John 14, we were enjoying that when he says, I go and prepare a place for you. And so that, that for me is just so encouraging, and it really... It really thrills my soul. Anyway, the fourth thought of this verse is that we should walk in the. This word walk means live. Life means our whole life. You know, that means everything about our life. You know, God's not just interested in our Christian activities. You know, if we were talking about good works and we were going to put a list together, we might, we might name, you know, worship, Bible study, uh, prayer, uh, uh, evangelizing, witnessing, uh, caring for the poor, and doing what's just, and hospitality, and then we might sort of sort of stop there, uh, but that list would be too limited. What else would we think about? Our life as disciples is our whole life. It's not just when we do any spiritual activity. Walking in good works is everything about our life, every aspect. Being at work with a uh, with, uh, uh, associates there or being at home with our family or in the neighborhood or being at school or going to the store or maybe at the gas station or maybe at the doctor's office the whole life and God you know he wants us to walk to live in these good works all the time you know a lot of people and it's and it's rightfully so a lot of people are worried because of job security 
Well, listen, brothers and sisters, when it comes to good works, there's no shortage, no shortage of work, lots of work for us to do. And uh, it's not for our glory, is it? It's for the glory of God. So be honest with me, too. I mean, last week, last week, just uh, listening to the ministry and listening to our, our brother uh, Carl and everything, didn't, didn't, weren't you just overjoyed hearing about what he's doing in the university there? I get overjoyed when I talk to a brother and sister, and sometimes even something like this, you know, I can't do very much, but, you know, I've been praying for souls. I've been praying for the assembly. I've been praying for you. Or maybe a brother or sister earmarks some fellowship and says, really thinking about those folks or, or these folks. These are all wonderful, good works, and that's what we should be involved in. So, talking a lot about good works, is there any such thing as bad works? Well, of course, sin is, is sin, but anybody who thinks that works can save them is bad works. And this idea goes throughout all the scripture. I just pulled out in Isaiah 64, he says that all of those good works really before God, for that reason, are nothing but filthy rags. Romans 4, 2, and 3. Paul draws out from the Old Testament. He says, for if Abraham was justified by works, then he has something to boast about, but not before God. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And of course, Galatians 2 and 16. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So, How's about no works, no bad works, no good works? Sometimes people, they like to remain neutral. And unfortunately, this thought sometimes creeps into a Christian's life. It's like, well, I'm not doing bad, but maybe you're not doing good either. That's not good, is it? But what does the scripture say? James 4 and 17 reminds us. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, to them it's sin. So you see the absence of doing good especially when it's in your power to do. Oh, yeah, that's right. The Old Testament speaks of that in the book of Proverbs, the book of knowledge. It says, don't withhold good from those to whom you can do it when it's in your power. Yes. Yeah. The, see, the word of God, you have to look at it holistically, context, everything. This is quite the, the teaching on, on good works for us. And of course, 1 Timothy 5 and 8, but if anyone doesn't provide for his own relatives, especially for the members of his own household, then he's denied the faith and he's worse than an infidel worse than an unbeliever so anyway i want to get going salvation is by grace alone we all know that we major in that it's wonderful amazing grace isn't that just unbelievable and we've all come into the good of it this is the this is who uh, uh, uh ephesians 2 and 10 is written to in the text for those who have enjoyed the amazing grace and how did they get it just believing. That's what the Bible calls faith. They were justified or saved by grace because they believed. They trusted God, like Abraham. Just believe. Uncle Harry has a saying, I, I love it. You know, he says that the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ makes him clean. And his word, his word solidifies that. His word makes it true. He can, you can hold on to that. Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are we saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It's the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. And then after that, what do we have? So for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for works, which God be prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So does the Bible contradict itself? 
Now, I'm going to say this because some people, they like to pull verses out from somewhere and say, you know, the Bible says this, so, you know, it must mean that. There's a big danger in pulling just one text out, one verse, and building a doctrine or a teaching around it. And here's an example. The Bible never contradicts itself. You need to look at the context. Look at where it's all speaking about this uh, particular topic in the scriptures. James 2 and 24, what does it say? You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. Well, if that's all we had, then you'd say, whoa, man, got a point there, don't you? No, not at all. Read the whole book of James. There's so much that James will come out. James was the half-brother of our Lord Jesus. He knew when he saw all those works who he was. And so it's evidence. James is saying that because of all these good works, it's evidence. The Lord Jesus said, "By a bad tree can't give good fruit, and a good tree gives good fruit. So the evidence is there. You know, salvation is something you can't see that happens to someone. Uh, justification, it's, it's amazing. Regeneration, the new birth. The Lord Jesus says it's like the wind. The wind blows where it is. Liken it like to a windstorm. Windstorm comes through. You can't really see the wind, but you can see the effects. See the trees going over. Sometimes you see roofs lifted and all. It's the evidence of what had happened. And so our good works is the evidence. It's the evidence given. James 2 and 18. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works. And I will show you my faith by my works. And of course, our works are not our own. Our works come, they stem always from grace. They come. The Apostle Paul says, I am what I am because of the grace of God. And we're no different. So, James 2 and 26, I like this too. It says clearly uh, that, and my screen is a little bit funny, but it's okay. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So don't expect somebody to believe you have life if you have no good works. Look at all these verses. We could read every one of them. They all say what I've been saying up until now. And like I said, I've only scratched the surface. There's so much more. And it's just all over. It's New Testament, Old Testament. This is what God has for us in store. So why? Why am I doing this? I want to provoke you. I want to provoke my fellow believers. You go, Mike, that's not good. Scripture says, like, you know, fathers don't provoke their children to wrath and everything. Yeah, that's true, but there's another good provoking, and that's the one I want to use today. I want to provoke you. I want to stir you up. 2021, we're, we're going to springboard into that. What do I want to provoke you for? What do I want to stir you up for? Hebrews 10 and 24 says, let us consider one another to provoke or stir up unto love and good works. That's what we ought to do, brothers and sisters. Titus 2 and 7. Show yourselves in all respect to be a model of good works. Titus 3 and 14, and let our people, that is believers, let our people learn to devote themselves to good works so as to help cases of urgent need and not be unfruitful. Okay, almost done. I love this verse, 1 Peter uh, 2 and 12. I love the, the, the whole verse is beautiful, but it's the beginning and the end that really speaks to me. Peter says here, keep your conduct among the Gentiles or the nations honorable. That's to everyone. That really, that can apply right now to all non-believers. Keep your conduct honorable. So that when they speak, uh, uh, speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds. But this is what I like. That they might glorify God on the day of visitation. 
So bear with me. Keep your conduct among everybody honorable so that they can glorify God on the day of visitation. Brothers and sisters, I know this to be true. You might not remember the day, the hour, the moment when you were saved, but you don't forget being saved. You don't remember, you don't, you might not remember the times of dates there, but you remember clearly, I was lost, but now I'm found. That's the day of visitation. And I was just enjoying for myself. Good works will lead others to the Lord. Like when I was first saved, I, you know, I was taught and I, was, I believe I was taught well and I had to fly my flag and so on and so forth. But I remember going to visit family and I'd come with my Bible and everything to go. And here he comes again. Oh my goodness, here he goes. I'd even teach the kids. Michael and Jason were just like two, two years old. And I'd say, go ahead, go ahead, tell them the verses you learned. And we, you know, I'd prop them up in front of the family and the kids would be there in front of them going, for God so loved the world. And, you know, after when they saw me coming all the time, all I, I realized that they, they didn't even want to see me anymore because I was preaching at them. In fact, there were times that, you know, really tell you the truth, we almost argued about things, uh, religion and what have you. But good works will lead others to the Lord. And in our personal family, our personal life, we're indebted to a dear sister, Kathy, who was Maggie's friend, an insurance company. She was Maggie's friend before we had children for a few years. They worked in an insurance company together. She'd come over for the weekends. And then when the children were born, she'd come over and help. No ulterior motives, just being friends. And the day finally came when she invited us to go to her church. Now, deep in my heart, I used to tell my wife, oh, she never asked us to go to church. I got my religion. She's got her religion. But because of her kindness and her goodness, I couldn't say no. So we went, December 16, 1984, the day of my visitation. God saved me that night. And from that day to this day, I have so much to be thankful for. And it stems down to good works good works of a believer, which really, again, is empowered by the grace of God. My dear dad, my dear dad for 20 uh, years, he's the one that many times we, our voices, you know, it's like some people, when I was a kid, people used to call on me and they used to, they used to hear my dad talking. They go, you know, my dad be talking in, in his language and everything. And you go, your dad's really angry. I go, no, he's not angry. He's just talking because, you know, they get all excited and everything. But when I used to go see my dad, especially uh, uh, as a young believer, you know, I'd open my Bible and try to because don't you come here and try to teach me about the Bible religion. I know it before you were born and this, and we'd argue and, and really didn't go very far. And many times I thought I got something in there, but you know, it's the spirit of God that does it. But one thing is unrefutable is doing good. And why I'm saying that is that in my dad's older years, I was able, I had the privilege to help him out a lot and to, and to care for him uh, a bit. And then one day uh, on his driveway, he says, son, thank you again for what you did. God bless you. You deserve to be in heaven. And I thought, well, there you go. There's a good moment. And I go, dad, I go, dad, I don't deserve heaven. I deserve to be in hell. Oh, don't say that, son. Don't you say that. I know I've seen all your good words. I go, dad, dad, please. Can I finish? He goes, sure. I go, dad, I deserve to be in hell, but I'm not going, dad. I'm not going, and it's not because I'm a good boy or I've been doing good works. I'm going because Jesus died for me, and that's it. It's all of his good work. It's all of his righteousness. And, you know, I want to believe that maybe that was a part of my dad's awakening. So maybe we can encourage each other, the kindness that we do, the good works that we do, and it's full of our lives, no matter where we are throughout the year. I believe that that can serve us well. And so... We're created in Christ Jesus for good works. Why? 
to glorify our Heavenly Father. The Lord Jesus himself said in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Last verse, I'm going to leave us. And let us not grow weary of doing good. You know, many times you do good and you know what you get? You get a kick in the behind or you get a, you know, you get an insult or or, or, or they'll speak evil of you because you're doing good. Or, or even worse, they might say, boy, that person's got a real ego. That's why they're doing good. So let us not grow weary of doing good. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, all nations, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. May the Lord bless his word.